thing, like when you're on stage playing, you're looking out at all of this, you know, kind of the madness unfurling in front of you. And it's, it's a, it's a very different perspective and being yeah. elevated at 150 feet above the people that are watching you is a different experience also where you're. Welcome to Something Will Happen, a podcast about the largest Beatles music festival in the U.S., Abbey Road on the River, celebrating our 20th anniversary, May 26th to 30th, 2022. I'm Melissa, one of the organizers of the festival, and I'll be talking about all things Abbey Road on the River, held every Memorial Day weekend in Jeffersonville, Indiana, just outside of Louisville, Kentucky. I'll be interviewing your favorite Abbey Road on the River fans and staff to unveil new plans for the upcoming festival, talk about how influential the Beatles are, and share insider stories about the festival and music you love. Whether you're new to Abbey Road on the River or you're a festival regular, if you love the Beatles as much as we do, you're in the right place. This is Something Will Happen. Something Will Happen. Let's get started. Cool. Well, thanks, guys, for joining me. Um, I am joined by Michael and Frank of Hard Day's Night out of Cleveland, Ohio. So they are one of our best Beatles lookalike and soundalike tribute bands at Abbey Road on the River. I say lookalike. I don't know what the best word for that is, because we have a lot of bands that are only soundalike bands. But you guys do, you know, the whole shebang where um, you dress up, do the mannerisms. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the boot and suit bands. The boot and suits, yes, boots and suits. <laughs> and each we try to take on the character of uh, the person we're playing. Example: so we have four people in our band. And there are four Beatles, um, but the other bands are great. I just want to say one thing: a couple of the yeah. bands who just do the music are, are really good. They are, yeah, yeah. But you get like dressing up just takes it to a whole nother level. I think you know you get immersed yeah. into it. It's an immersion. Um, it's also it's it's funny how it can be both um, you know you're playing a character and you know you you take a deeper dive on each individual part um, yet it can also be like a little constraining because you kind of have to stay in the box of where the source material is so like when you look at something like what the newbies do where they take an idea and just run with it it's like that you know when you kind of have to hit the constraint of we're really trying to stay true to like if John played it on the record, I'm trying to play it on stage. And it's like, man, it'd be fun just to to let your creativity run wild and kind of morph these things. That's why they're not to throw a shout out to those guys, but they're one of my favorite bits from Abbey Road, just because it's it's something completely opposite of what we do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but it's it's awesome to to see the payoff of this whole community and this whole thing that Beetledom has become that we all kind of get to share and keeping this alive in our own way. And yeah, it's fun. For sure. I never thought of it that way, that you're so constrained to stay in the lines of what the Beatles, yeah. like people expect the, a Beatles show yeah. mm -hmm. rather but, than you know, being able to flex well, your creative freedom. We, we go through great pains in coming up with the show every year, you know, and cause we, as artists and musicians, we want to challenge ourselves and do new things and drastically change things. Yet we know that the audience really expects a certain, you know, you can only run so far before you get just kind of 
what are they doing? <laughs> you know, they did that last year. But at Abbey Road, one thing about Abbey Road, we definitely try and change it up a little bit for Abbey Road because there are the real Beatle fans. When we do our normal yeah. show, you know, in character, in costume, we do about three costumes a show. The audience really likes the uh, that look and the variety of what we offer, like Sergeant Pepper, and then we go to the studio look, blah blah blah. But at uh, Abbey Road and the River, everybody's a Beatles. They know everything. In other words, if John Ocker, our guitar player, would play his casino instead of the Gretsch, probably on I saw her standing there, they probably noticed that. So we, <laughs> we try and keep it to the correct guitars for the correct period of time. I think that's what Michael's talking about, too. We try and use the correct guitars for each period of the show. Mm-hmm. And so do the other bands. But uh, It's a high level of anal retentivity. It's just... <laughs> right. That's a lot of packing. You probably have to bring all your equipment oh. rather than to other shows. You're like, oh, we can not bring that thing, you know? No, we bring them all the time. Uh, okay. it's, a real, it's a pain. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> yes, we do. We're told by stage managers at House of Blues and theaters that we play saying, why do you have so many guitars? Like, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, you know, we had some major label band in here last night and they had half the number you had. And we're like, blame the Beatles, man. They changed they change yeah them. you have to have it yeah yeah it's, it's a part of the act right and uh i don't know michael you can real fast i think we have most of them uh which one are we missing of the guitars mm-hmm. i think we have them all now don't we which one um <laughs> the sg we don't have an sg oh okay that's right payback right yeah all right um we also have a sitar we bring once in a while as uh, melissa knows yeah so that's kind of stick. yeah we got the misery stick <laughs> sounds called yeah i've heard those are hard to play but john john does all that right you're george he does yeah, john yeah. Ocker. Mm-hmm. uh we also recently added a telecaster is it telecaster michael well it's sort of whatever for the rooftop in other words again getting to the detail kind i have a i put the basement sticker on my other base i have another lefty base and uh michael plays his casino john Ocker plays the rosewood telecaster am i right that's the rooftop set yeah rooftop yeah so we that's one we added for that um just as a comment real fast uh we also have a bass six which the beatles used on hey jude and some other songs like that plus where the other guys play so we have a lot of the guitars we have enough yeah i'd say i'd say so (laughs) (laughs) well i suppose actually i should introduce you so who you're listening to michael you play john and frank you play paul and what is interesting that i think i think a lot of people know this but you guys are father son in the band but um (laughs) he just gave me this shocked look yeah Yeah. no yeah that's true (laughs) which i think Uh, is so interesting and unique but i was wondering like did you um, Michael, did you kind of get forced to join the band? Did you like, were you like, dad, like the Beatles are lame. Like, what, don't, <laughs> don't make me join this band. You're like, I hate the Beatles. <laughs> it would have been different. If it would have been an Eagles band, it wouldn't have worked. Um, <laughs> I hear that. But, um, no, I, I mean, I love the Beatles. He didn't force the Beatles on us. He kind of waited both my, and my sister would attest to this too. It was kind of, he waited until we were into music. And then it was like, okay, and also listen to this. And then it was like, you know, gave us. And I remember the thing that turned me on is I had to date myself, but I got my driver's license in about 95, right about the time the anthology came out. Mm. So 
I, as I first got freedom and was out in a car by myself, I had a rubber sole cassette tape that I wore out. And that was really my intro to the Beatles was listening to a tape that he gave me, just rubber sole on a loop. And yeah, I mean, it was, I was hooked. I loved it. You know, it was, they, my, Michael and his sister, they got into the monkeys rebirth in the eighties. Michael was that mid eighties. Remember the yeah, rebirth of the monkeys. And um, then I think that's when I said, look at all these, here's who the monkeys really are pretending to be. <laughs> yeah. It was on Nickelodeon yeah. or something. Yeah. Nickelodeon showing the show. Right. I, I mean, I was always uh, adjacent to hard days night, you know, the band existed and I would come to shows, help out with equipment all the while, you know, I was playing in my own bands. Um, and it wasn't until the John quit right before this New Year's Eve show that the band did every year. And they basically said, could you learn enough Beatles songs to fill in just until we find somebody else? And I said, all right, for a few shows till you find somebody else. That was in 2005. <laughs> wow. They're still looking. Uh, the ad is apparently not well written because we don't get a lot of bites. So I guess I'll, I'll hang out until, you know, until we find someone. Well, there you go. <laughs> Sure, they're yeah, grateful Michael, too. Michael can attest to the fact that when he started, um, you know, it takes a few years to sort of get into the whole thing and uh, character wise. And we also go through the music part of it. At the time, we had uh, Tom Work, I think, was in the band, right, Michael? 1964 now. Yeah, Tom works with the George for 1964. He was not then, he was playing with us. And he was very helpful too to correct some of the guitar parts I had wrong. <laughs> mm. And uh, that was kind of, yeah. he's, because Tom's a really good musician. And John Ocker could attest to this also. He's a very learned musician. You know, he's a college trained Master's jazz guitarist, bachelor so, of music. Yeah, right. he teaches guitar for a living. Um, and I remember when we were talking to him on the phone when he was thinking about joining, he thought maybe it would take, you know, three, four months to get up to speed on everything. And it was nine months before he played a show. And we all will tell you the first show is just flat out an out of body experience. You know, you're in an uncomfortable suit. You've got a tie on a wig. You're trying to stand in a really unfamiliar way and, you know, mm -hmm. trying to contort your body into this other position. And you're thinking about so much at once, just like playing the guitar is not even in the front 10 things in your mind, you know, and then, and, you know, Frank over there, in right after I joined the band was challenged by an audience member and decided to flip from being a right-handed bassist to a left-handed bassist. And we continued playing during his transition. So he started playing part of the show lefty, part of the show righty, and then worked it over till he was fully left-handed. So right. Wow. Yeah, that took that took a few years too, by the way, to get comfortable. Now I'm pretty good at it actually, left-handed. Yeah. I would say that would take a while to relearn that. So I wanted to get more into talking about your band um, in a little bit, but since it's almost January 30th, I was thinking this would be a cool time to talk about the iconic rooftop concert that the Beatles did and that your band has recreated so many times. And since the Get Back documentary just came out and that might be a lot of people's first introduction to this rooftop and that was kind of the culmination of it all. I know me as like a semi Beatles fan when I was younger, 
would always hear about the rooftop concert, but I was like, I don't know what the big deal is about this like <laughs> yeah. concert. So since you guys have played it so many times, I feel like you know it better than anyone. Can you like, <laughs> if, yeah, if someone like knows the Beatles, but doesn't know the rooftop concert, can you explain what it is and <laughs> kind of how the Beatles came up with the idea to do it? Yeah, it was the, the idea was to, to film the preparation for, and then a televised concert was the idea that they went into the studio with. Um, basically for a BBC special was the goal of the whole project. As they started, they realized they came in woefully unprepared. Uh, they didn't have the number of songs they thought that they would. And they were all in vast disagreement about what this concert at the end of the road would look like. And the rooftop became the ultimate compromise where they ended up with six songs that were relatively play out worthy. And rather than go try to find a venue or play a, in a park, which was one of the ideas, they decided let's just go up on the roof and play some songs and see what happens. And, and Peter Jackson's film, which I didn't know this, and I knew you know whole about the whole history and everything. I didn't realize that they decided the last minute the day before, they were still iffy about they're going on the roof. They, maybe it was about three days into it, right, Michael, at the end of Peter Jackson's film, three days before mm -hmm. the rooftop. Yeah, 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 within the last three days. So they weren't really sure. They weren't sure what they weren't. Paul wasn't really keen on it until that day, I guess. And they said, oh, let's go do it. But the if you notice in the film, the equipment people, the video people, and who was the guy that Michael Lindsay hogged at the first movie, I believe? Mm -hmm. He was they, they had it all prepared. So I think they were forced to do it one way or the other. And it's to their credit that those songs that they just learned, oh, a couple of weeks earlier, some of them, they did really, really did really well on their performance. It was really good. And of course they had Billy Preston there, which really glued the whole thing together. Yeah. And they did a couple of them twice, which I didn't realize until I watched that they just like. We're like, we ran out of songs that we just wrote. So I guess we'll just do it again. Or maybe they thought they would do it better. I'm not sure, you know. Yeah. So, I uh, think somewhere somewhere in the process, they they kind of identified that Get Back was an obvious single and Don't Let Me Down was a good B-side slash double A-side. So they focused on those two songs and did each of those a couple of times on the rooftop to make sure that they had a take um, right. and that there was enough camera shots and enough good good parts to comp it together and make those two songs really come out well. And I think, I think the 45 that was actually done in the studio after both, not, both were done in the studio. Redo, they end up redoing for the 45 get back and don't let me down. I'm pretty they're, sure they're in, they're in the film in the Peter Jackson film, the actual takes of them playing them were, were filmed. Okay. But they All wanted right. to make sure they had those songs well enough live on the roof that it wasn't embarrassing. Yeah, they pulled it off. <laughs> well, it was, yeah, they did. Again, everybody should realize they, they just learned those songs, I don't know, two or three weeks in the, before the whole thing. Yeah, they had they, just written them, right? Or yeah, some dig, of them. A, dig a Pony. I don't even know if they rehearsed it that much. They they knew the riffs, you know, the but after that, Lennon, it was Lennon's song and Paul sang harmony. I don't know. They did a good job on them, really. They really, it was just amazing. Yeah. And that show is so like iconic with the, you know, Ringo in the red, red raincoat or whatever he's in. And like the John and George are in the fur coats and you just know what it is, even if you haven't seen it. And then 
So, and you guys have recreated that one um, many times, like on rooftops and just on stage, including at our event, uh, Penny Lane at the Park last year, 2021, which is, you know, Penny Lane at the Park was a smaller Abbey Road on the River, which we put on in May instead of our full-blown festival um, because we moved the, the bigger festival to Labor Day because of COVID and whatever, we didn't know what was going on. But, um, but then we had you do that on the actual rooftop of this adjoining apartment building, um, the Walcott apartment building, which was so cool. And um, so I just wanted to know a little bit more about all the times you recreated that rooftop concert and like any memories you have from doing that concert on the Walcott uh, rooftop. I think, yeah, the two keynote. So we went through a phase where we were trying to hit every 50th anniversary year. We were trying mm -hmm. to focus on whatever the 50th anniversary was at the time. And we we were coming up to the 50th anniversary of the rooftop. 2019. And, yeah, and we had the opportunity. Um, we'd been playing at the Toledo Mud Hens ballpark for a few years, uh, like around a game. And we had kind of talked to, right next to the stadium is a, six-story building brick building with a nice rooftop like lounge and we were kind of talking to them the year before saying you know next year we it's the 50th anniversary you should think about doing something like pre-game and they came back and said okay we want you to do it we're going to do pre-game we're going to set you up on the rooftop we're going to pipe it into the stadium broadcast it on the scoreboard and as people are entering the game pre-game we were like the pre-game entertainment you know, instead of the usual fanfare and, you know, hey, Mudhen fans, you know, it was us on the rooftop. And that's the one where I didn't have enough time to grow my beard very well. So I ended up using some, char what was that stuff I put on my face? Charcoal or something? Polish. Anyway, up close, I looked like a hobo. If you remember Red Skelton show, he used to have a bum or a hobo. That's how I looked like, really. But from a distance, it didn't look bad. But anyway, uh, I just remember John Ocker looked at me and he said, how long did that take to put on? You're like 10 minutes. He said, how long do you think it'll take to come off? <laughs> let's let's get a rag. Okay. Now for Abbey Road or for uh, Penny Lane in the park, I had a few more weeks, so it was a little better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that and, one, uh, and the reason why I have a hard time with the fake, the fake beards just don't seem to work very good. Unless, now if we were doing this, your sweater. Say, well, no, if we're going to do it for television, in other words, if we were going to do a special Abbey Road promotion or something like that, and I really had to look good, I'd find one and I would glue it on. You have to, you have to use the, uh, what's the stickum stuff called? Have know. you tried staples? No. <laughs> but but, Oof, but you got to find the right kind of beard. The one I have looks like Abe Lincoln. I don't like it, a fake beard. And uh, so I just prefer to yeah. grow it out and darken it up just a little bit. And Yeah. Better than nothing. I mean, it's not as good as Paul's. No, I'd have to go two, three months on that, at least more than that. Memory from Penny Lane. It's funny, Penny Lane in the park being what we had just come out of. You know, we mm -hmm. everything the year before had been canceled and we hadn't played. Oh, yeah. oh, man. In, I mean, just about 12 months it had been since we physically had been together and played a show. So that was one thing is that was the first thing we did was the rooftop if you remember yeah like, that really was the first live show so i had seen after covid yeah we so just again that that elation of being somewhere and playing 
Yeah, it was exciting. Put on the costume, you know, when kind of you thought for a minute, like, God, this might never happen again. Like this, this could be a long, long time um, and have it be such a memorable, you know, little moment. And, and just like Hard Day's Night at Abbey Road on the River, we seem to be the rainmakers. Not sure yeah. why, but every time we do some major set, it pours. Um, so we were ducking the rain. If you remember that day, it was... It was like, oh, yeah, it, did. it was, it did rain a little bit. And I yeah. remember, um, uh, Jeff and Misty had their drone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we filmed it. Yeah. It oh, yeah. That from the nice. air. That was neat. That was neat. Um, and that was the, the storm started to come in, and I just watched the drone go sideways and blow away. <laughs> it's, it's, it's thing. Like when you're on stage playing, you're looking out at all of this you know, kind of the madness unfurling in front of you. And it's, it's a, it's a very different perspective and being yeah. elevated at 150 feet above the people that are watching you is a different experience also where you're, you're trying to connect in some way and I'm just watching a drone fly by. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. When we did it at Toledo, Mud Hens, it was summertime. It was sunny, but there was a wind in our face. The hair was, the, the hair was blowing and it was kind of neat, but it was kind of sunny. It was, Kind of, it was actually warm. It was about 79 degrees, so which was a little hot for those guys in there. Wearing coats. the fur coats, yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's fun. Uh, we offered it once in 2019 for downtown Kent, but in January in Ohio, uh, you know, it can be pretty cold, and they didn't take us up on it, and I'm glad they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was really cool at Penny Lane at the park when and I'm glad you reminded me of that because it was like the first concert mm -hmm. uh, that kicked off the weekend. And then everyone on the grass just got to kind of experience what it was like to hear the Beatles from a rooftop. They couldn't really see it. We had a screen, but, you know, it was kind of cool just to see you from afar and be like, oh, that could be the Beatles up there. Yeah, coming from there. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, is very better cool. from further away. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the further away, the better. Especially with the shoe polish. <laughs> The TV people were there, though, if I recall. It was kind of exciting. Mm -hmm. The TV guy was there. and um, There were a lot of cameras. Yeah, it was kind of, kind of neat. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was very cool. Um, so kind of changing gears, but I just want to ask, like, well, we kind of got into how your band got started, but also, um, you know, how did you kind of come about getting into Abbey Road on the River? Well, that's an interesting story because Michael and I just talked about that this morning. And yeah. uh, I, I couldn't remember how we ever got into Abbey Road and the River, obviously through Gary. Mm -hmm. But uh, because we're from Cleveland, we were doing a, after the day, two days after Thanksgiving, a party center for a couple of years had us play at this party center. I think they offered food. Michael, you were there. I can't remember. But uh uh, I think Gary came out with a good friend of ours who is a big Beatles fan in Cleveland, Patty Seckers. I don't know if you know Patty. Hello, Patty, <laughs> if you ever see this. But um, she knew Gary, so she was a real spokesman for us to get Gary to see us. And mm -hmm. once he saw us, he thought, oh, you know, I guess I could add him into Abbey Road or something, do something with these guys. And I think that was the year, that summer, that the first Abbey Road was uh, down at Cleveland. Is it 2002? Yeah, it was about 2002. Okay. No, he saw us in 2001, I think, and we played in the Abbey Road was 2002 on the river, first mm -hmm. one. And I know the band, the band did it until it moved to Louisville. 
we did it once. Time, yeah, Hard Day's Night was kind of stuck in, this is prior, and I'm not saying I brought them or changed anything, but the band only did up to 66. So no Pepper, no, nothing beyond 66. And, you know, Gary is one of the first people to kind of say, you really should be doing the whole thing. And that caused a little bit of a rift between the guy that led Hard Day's Night and the band stopped, stopped doing it. And a few years later, so I've moved to DC. I live just outside of Washington. And for a, a couple of years, Gary held an Abbey Road on the river here on the waterfront at National okay. Harbor. And uh, Jim Lynch, who at the time played with Grip Beat, now plays with American English. He's a friend. He played with us for a while. He's, you know, he's a good dude. Great. This is great. So, we actually went, bought tickets, went to Abbey Road to see Jim and to hang out and ran into Gary, just walking on the sidewalk. And he's like, where have you been? Why are you not part of my show? He traded emails. Um, the next year he was putting on a, was gonna do an Abbey Road in Cleveland again. And it ended up getting pared down and being an inside a hotel ballroom. Holiday Inn. Yeah, yeah. mini Abbey Road event and we jumped into that and then he brought us to Louisville and I I think they're 2013-ish I don't know I can't remember we played the last maybe three years at Louisville and then we've now been every year at Jeffersonville so. mm -hmm. right we did we did play the first year in uh Louisville <laughs> the first year you had it down there we did play that one um but the band, as Michael had said, the band was being run by a different, the old drummer who helped start the band. I was one of the original members with him. Mm -hmm. He eventually decided to get out and retire because he was a little older than I am. And uh, we brought in Pat Gannon as Ringo. And that's when John Ocker came in about the same time. And Pat was all, he played for another band called, uh, what were they called, Michael? Backbeat. I think. Backbeat. Play with a band called Backbeat, no longer around. But they were doing the whole thing like we are doing now. And so Pat kind of helped push us along. And, and that's why we're doing the whole thing now. And it's, it's paid off because I think we get more bookings. We get more money for what it's worth. It's a lot of work. But uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, money is necessary. <laughs> How do I say that? But and, uh, our bookings are pretty healthy. And um, and I think we've improved that show quite a bit over the years, as Michael had mentioned earlier. So Yeah, well, it gives the opportunity, like we, on our, you know, a show that we're the act and it's not a festival or anything, you know, we have videos and, you know, we do a little bit more of a multimedia experience. Um, right. Where, and it's, it is that multi-costume, you know, starting in the black suits and pe through Pepper and ending in the Abbey Road look usually, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. And it's uh, we've kept our price point probably very competitive to offer all those things that we just mentioned. Hey, so, this isn't you know, a commercial for our days night. Settle it down. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, she can cut that out. But uh, no, go ahead. This you can use this <laughs> yeah, as promotion. No. All right. So that was <laughs> that was that. That's how we got to Abbey Road. That's how we got to Abbey Road and the River, and we've been lucky to be a part of it ever since. Well, thank you for saying that. We're lucky that you're still coming years, year after year. We, no, appreciate hey, we, it. It. We, we appreciate the opportunity to be part of it because it, it looks good on our resume too, you know, that we're part of Abbey Road on the River. That's, it's a two-way street. We understand how it works. And uh, uh, we appreciate everything, you know, that Gary gave us the, the platform 
and now you're carrying it on, which is great. And well, uh, <laughs> yeah, through a podcast, <laughs> I mean, we're talking like Gary's not a part of, he's still the producer, but no, yeah. I know but you're, <laughs> you're more in there, you know? Yeah. All right. Keeping it, keep it running smoothly. Cause that's, that would be the comment I would make about the last year. It was a, a well-run, well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's been going so many years that, yeah, we kind of get into a routine year after year. Keep going. Yeah, but we are all, we understand also that we're, as musicians, we're not the easiest group of people on earth to work with. We all tend to think probably we're better and more important than we really are. Well, with your hundreds of guitars that you bring. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tony Bramwell yelled at me in an elevator one year. Oh. He just looked at me and said, stupid bands. Too many guitars. <laughs> stupid guitars. <laughs> it's like, you're Tony Bramwell. You got out of the elevator. Wow. <laughs> yeah, claim the fans. I've been yelling. You know, one of the greatest things, though, one of the greatest things is when um, Jeff Emmerich. Jeff, we were playing on the stage in the afternoon. I, uh, I can't remember what day it was. And I looked out there, and there's Jeff Emmerich out there by the sound booth listening to us. For quite a while and he was not upset or anything <laughs> and then the next day when he had the private sh- we all had that private um audience with him mm-hmm. he mentioned he heard several of the tribute bands and he said oh i was expecting them all to be really old and whatever but you know they're actually pretty good and all this <laughs> so he gave everybody a good uh sort of slap on the back about- a backhanded compliment huh yeah a little bit but he worked with the real deal, i thought so. you were gonna be I mean, he worked with the real guys. I mean, that's right. That's he can have thing. yes a strong opinion on it. Yeah. Anything, he didn't say anything bad. Let's put it that way. That's, yeah, that's how I would say. Yeah, that's very uh, that nice of him. Of may may rest in peace. It's too bad he's not here now. But yeah, that was a great, another great uh, featurette that uh, Abby Road and River gave everybody a chance to see that. That was really good. Being his audience, that was great. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of like. Uh, stories from Abbey Road any other like best concerts or memories you have from performing or bands that you saw in the past well I just want to say one thing Michael and I were fortunate to go to Liverpool England and play at the International Beatle Festival oh yeah and uh, this is several years back we've been we actually been invited back now for a couple years but unfortunately because of COVID we've they've kind of you know I don't know what's going on so I don't know if we'll ever go back, but the other guys really want to go. And I would say the highlight almost of all our years of playing was that trip, even though it was years ago when we were eh, not as good, I don't think. But um, it was a blast. And they treated us so nicely because we were from America. It was really something. It was mm-hmm. just, I can't describe how, how it was. I mean, we saw all the great places, all the sites, um, Strawberry Fields, Penny Lane, um, Pete Best Back. We played at Pete Best Backyard. Oh not wow! In the, not in the Casbah, actually, on a stage in a tent they put up in the backyard, which was kind of interesting. Yeah, that's cool. But uh, we've had some. Michael can relate to this too. We've had some good shows all through our playing career. Um, uh, that would be my highlight, really. Liverpool. It may not. We might not have been the best band. But. From Abbey Road, um, my through line is just. It's so. We have this. You can. Tell me what you think of the idea, Melissa. But we had this dreadful idea one year when we were driving back from Canada in a van. 
<laughs> we, we were so excited about it. We pushed it to Gary and you guys right away. We wanted to play the whole album Revolvers, top to bottom. And this, it was the year like U2 was out touring the Joshua Tree and like full album live sets was a thing. So we mm -hmm. thought we're going to do that. And it spread and you guys, we did like the theme at Abbey Road that year was albums. Everyone ended mm -hmm. up doing a full album. So we learned that was why John bought the sitar was for Abbey Road on the river. Like he learned how to play an instrument oh. for Abbey Road on the river. So yeah. we this album, you know, and relatively quickly too, I might add. We've never done the whole album. We put it in our show almost every year. They're in the in our schedule. We want to do Revolver, the whole album. It rains. As soon as we start playing an, a Revolver song, it's <laughs> just pouring down rain. Four separate times we've tried to complete that album. We've oh never done it. So, well, I guess uh, you're banned from doing that because we don't want it to rain. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. Maybe this time know, we'll that's put a the bad rain in. Put the song rain in there. And then we'll have it. Maybe that'll be a counter. Hey. Sorry, Hopefully, <laughs> that's okay. So, we, by the way, uh, for this year's Abbey Road and the River, you know, we yeah. thought about doing Revolver again, uh, mm -hmm. and we might <laughs> do a soul. See what happens. We did Hard Days Night. We did the whole album, and we have the proper suits for Hard Days Night. So that kind of seems like a natural that we would do that. I think the Gary's also called Hard Days Night. Yeah, and Gary kind of said, "Why don't you do Hard Days Night?" I think he said that. So you probably, probably get that a lot, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and our last thing was we might, since we're not going to be on the rooftop this time, but we still might do a stage show and do the rooftop set and include other Abbey Road. I'm sorry, other yeah, it well. yeah you should, definitely should. Yeah, we probably will. So we probably that concert it. was awesome, and even during that Penny Lane concert, you added some the end, and you added some yeah, other hits. Yeah, yeah, so you can fill out a show like that. That'd be that'd be fun to yeah see the rooftop and let it be, and mm -hmm. then a hard day's night show and whatever else you choose to do. But <laughs> yeah. I just hopefully it doesn't rain. <laughs> we could we could just say a rub all. I always say rub all, no, which is we did that rub, one rub year. We did we tried to combine and just do rubber soul and revolver as a set. It was great through our rubber soul material. It started pouring down rain as soon as we opened the tax man. Oh my gosh. Started the well, revolver it just rained. I guess oh, you gotta do fun. rubber soul then. You can't do revolver. <laughs> <laughs> well, that means you have to work all that out. And the veto that. <laughs> we know a lot of it. We don't know all of it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> but we do know a lot of it, I guess. Uh, well, if people wanted to see you between now and the festival, where can they catch you? You have any shows coming up in the spring? Oh yeah. We yeah, have uh, uh you probably have a big, uh, you know, a whole tour plan that people can go see on your website. Uh, yeah, go to www.harddaysnight.net. You can find our full schedule. Um, it will be in the Columbus area. It'll be for a cold show on February 11th at uh, 31 West in Newark, Ohio. Yeah. Uh, the next night we're at the Kent stage in Kent, Ohio. That's a nice That's place to go. If the heat works, it'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> but, Sorry. Well, that's a decent sized little theater. It holds about 660, I think. We're doing in, uh, again, in, in, in Columbus proper on uh, April 8th and 9th, we're playing at a place called the McConnell Art Center. And the first night is a touring year show. And the second night is a 
studio year show. So we're doing uh, every costume we have. Yeah, we're it, it's like our workout show. We're putting all the material in, all the songs we know. Wow. Uh, over two nights. So two nights in a row. And a special discounted ticket for those who want to go both nights. So that's something to think about. Yep. <laughs> that's where you do it. Yeah. Um, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, we're doing a special Mother's Day brunch show at the Hard Rock Cafe. Nice. Which is an interesting uh, wake up with the Beatles kind of deal. Um, Two shows in one day. And then I think it's off to Jeffersonville, Indiana for Abbey Road on the River. Well, we actually have another oh, we did show. Add, that's right. Louisville, uh, Ohio in May 13th. Yeah, Louisville, Ohio. Louisville, not Louisville. Louisville, Ohio. Louisville, okay. Ohio. Which, there is which is near Canton, Ohio. Uh, well, there may be some others. We've been talking to the House of Blues, just so you guys know. A lot of mm -hmm. people in the Cleveland, Akron area like to see us at the House of Blues. Um, they are having issues, as everybody is, with the COVID situation. Sure. They also have their recording acts, you know, the national recording acts. They put them in first, and then they come to people like Hard Day's Night and say, well, we do have Friday the whatever or Saturday the whatever. So mm -hmm. between now and Abbey Road on the River, we may be at the House of Blues, but I, I'm not sure when. Not pushing for fall. Well, you never know. I'm not going to say never. Never say never. Right. But well, people can go check your website or your social right. media accounts to see where you're going to be. Yep. That'd be cool. And then we'll see you at Abbey Road on the River in yeah. May, end of May. That'd be great. Yeah. So we're looking forward to that. I'm Gary, as Gary says, he's always fine tuning the, you know, the, the, the stage times and uh, the themes we're going to do. So we'll be you know, I'm sure we'll send in our themes and all that, and then we'll see what happens because you know it gets reformulated around. Yeah. And the special Paul and the special Paul show. Oh yeah, yeah. We should plan something special for Paul, especially yeah, Paul's. I love it. It's his 80th birthday this year, so we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. The big 80. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Today, today, by the way, is January 20th. Right. Today mm -hmm. is the day they released "Meet the Beatles" 58 years ago. Oh, wow. Cool. So just so everybody can think about that for a minute. I want to hold your hand just became number one, I believe, about this time. Wow. They, Brian Epstein and Ed Sullivan made their appointment to be on the Ed Sullivan show February 7th, 9th, I'm sorry, February 9th in October of 63. We think of that. So before, yeah, the Beatles, before the Beatles were known in America, they already had their show lined up on an all English show on the Ed Sullivan show, we had the cast of Oliver and who yeah. was in the show on the cast of Oliver was little Davy, Davy Jones, Jones, who later became a monkey. So mm -hmm. when he had, he had uh, some lady O'Shea who played the ukulele, I remember. Um, and there's a film, you can get the show now, you get the whole show. But that's amazing that Ed Sullivan thought enough of them around. And put them on the show, and they didn't have a didn't have a hit record here till January, really, of '64. That's crazy to think about. Yeah, just like That's three, four intuitive. years, I, four I, months it's, later. It's it's uh, yeah, very intuitive on Ed's part, and he took a risk a little bit, but he sure. must have thought something. I don't know. Anyway, it worked out. Wow. Like the history. trousers. What's that? Like the trousers. Yeah, he liked the trousers. But not only was it one show, folks, it was three shows. It was the 9th, then the 16th, and then the 21st, I believe. Three weeks three weeks of shows featured the Beatles. 
Well, did they add those subsequent shows later or were they just booked for the one show with the British night? And then once they got popular, did they book those? Do you know? I I read it was $10,000 and accommodations in in, uh, New York City for three shows. But Mm -hmm. the way it really worked was they did the show February 9th. They immediately recorded a show for the 21st and they flew to Miami beach to be on the Miami beach show on the next week. That's how they did it. So then they showed the film on the 21st of them. Okay. Yeah. That's, and then in between all that, they played Carnegie hall through Sid Bernstein, the guy that ended up uh, doing the Shea stadium concert too. I don't know if you know that. And also Washington DC. Oh, and they went to Washington DC. That's right. During the week. That's right. Yeah. Wow. So they, they they got those gigs, I'm sure, after their records became big. I'm sure somebody said, we'll put you at the whatever, <laughs> you know, you oh, gotta have yeah. it, you know, thing. So right. pretty, pretty exciting time, but uh, yeah, we'll that's very cool. We should have you back and do some kind of like Beatles history podcast with oh, like, yeah. this, them this one, then this one. If I love hearing a, about that, that stuff. Our, our show would be the Beatles history show where it would be like, footnotes and it would have like the it would look like uh what was the vh1 pop-up video where as the video is playing like factoids popped up yeah that right was, <laughs> we that put a screen great. back there yeah. <laughs> someone should, should make that for like during beatles yeah beatles videos yeah. that's not a bad idea i mean would that annoy the audience when you're playing um yes ticket to ride and it says number one record and night released in 1965 or something like that would that yeah add that to your cool. multimedia video kind of cool i think don't don't feed him <laughs> <laughs> i like it i like it <laughs> i'm a show promoter i'm trying to come up with cool ideas <laughs> Well, like all right. <laughs> anyway, I've kept you on for a while, so I'll let you two go. But thanks Thank so you, much Melissa. for being on the show with me, and we'll see you Thank soon. You. Okay, yeah. thanks, Melissa. Thank yeah. you very much. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Frank and Michael of Hard Day's Night. They're super fun guys. The band is amazing. They recreate the Beatles shows authentically. It's really great. Um, you got to check them out at Abbey Road on the River in May. But I wanted to end this episode with a review by a customer. So Lori says, Abbey Road on the River is one of the highlights of my year. No one did music quite like the Beatles. And thank you for bringing back the Fab Four. They are nothing less than amazing and as close as we can come to seeing the Beatles. Thanks, Lori, for that great review. And if you want to be featured on an upcoming episode, Send us a note at arotr18 at gmail.com telling us which band or shows you're most excited to see and why, and your write-up could be featured on an upcoming episode of Something Will Happen. Thanks for tuning in to Something Will Happen. Remember that Abbey Road on the River is happening May 26th to 30th, 2022 in Jeffersonville, Indiana. To start making your plans, head over to AROTR.com. There you can see the full lineup of bands that are coming, check out shows we're planning, book your hotels, and grab your tickets while you're there. Head over to AROTR.com slash podcast and enter your email to get $5 of Beetlebucks to use at the festival for food, drinks, and our exclusive festival merchandise. 
For the most up-to-date information, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll see you in May. Something will happen.